For this week's um, Peace Bucket, um, we are joined by Lena Schaefer, who recently wrote a, a letter to the Times Union uh, about the need for a ceasefire, and, and particularly made the point that uh, violence, unfortunately, only leads um, to, usually to more more violence. Um, so, so Lena, thank you very much for joining us. You know, what prompted you to, um, um, you know, write this letter to the Times Union? Hello, Mark. First of all, thank you so much for inviting me for this interview. I appreciate your interest and, uh, and this opportunity. So um, I belong to the Sisterhood of Salaam Shalom, which is a national organization with local chapters made up of Muslim and Jewish women. One of my sisters, Zarina Jalal, uh, knowing my heart and my daughter's story, she encouraged me to speak for the Gaza ceasefire resolution at the Albany Common Council. And I wrote up those remarks and I spoke on the, at the December 18th meeting. Another sister read the remarks and she suggested that I submit those remarks for publication. So that's actually what I did. I didn't really write the letter to the TU. I, uh, these were my remarks from the Albany Common Council December 18th meeting. And we have covered the uh, the Common Council uh, on this show, and they did recently pass uh, that yes. resolution in support of a ceasefire. And uh, I noticed that you are a rabbi with the uh, Song of Songs. You've been part of the congregation of uh, Ohav Shalom. Um, but you mentioned in your letter that you made a visit to Jerusalem to see your daughter and her partner, a Palestinian who gave you a tour of his community and you met his family. You know, what was that visit like? Um, I'll tell you, but I just want to do a little slight clarification on the, uh, I, I am a Song of Song rabbi. Um, that uh, ordination is not connected to Congregation of Shalom in Albany, where I am a member. I'm just a, a lay member and leader there, but I did receive ordination as a Song of Song rabbi, which is not a congregational rabbi, through the um, my teacher, Rabbi Shefagol. So let me tell you about the visit to Israel-Palestine. It's a great question. Um, that visit was both wonderful and it was difficult. Uh, spending time with my daughters was delicious. So my younger daughter lives in Jerusalem and my older daughter who accompanied me on that trip, she turned 30 while we were there. And it was actually on her 30th birthday that we were invited to um, visit with my younger daughter's partner and his family in East Jerusalem. Um, so my younger daughter, lives in West Jerusalem, her partner is Palestinian, lives in East Jerusalem, and they invited us over for dinner on my older daughter's 30th birthday. They got her a cake, you know, we had a party. It was all very warm-hearted and generous and delightful. His mom speaks English well, and we connected instantly, you know, the way it sometimes happens when you meet someone whose like heart seems to vibrate along the same frequency as yours. We talked about our kids and their relationship and about our families and about food and about life. Um, just really hit it off. Um, his dad's English is not as deft, and my Arabic is basically non-existent, but we made an amazing connection going through his family's photo albums. He was just delighted to show us um, his relatives and landmarks in Jerusalem and other parts of Palestine, all the way back to like the late 1800s. They're remarkable photos. It's really cool. Um, and then, as I mentioned in my remarks in the in the in the column of the, the Time Union, Later that evening, uh, my daughter's partner gave us a tour of his Jerusalem. It was a narrated car tour of Jerusalem. And, um, you know, it was a little bit heartbreaking, really. Uh, it changed, it really changed the way I saw the city. And, and in some ways, it felt good and right to be woken up to this other reality, like in alignment with the work of reconciliation 
um, and staying grounded in the open heart, it was almost a relief. Um, it was almost a relief, even though it was painful. I found the presence of the ultra-Orthodox extremist Jews in Jerusalem really difficult during my visit. Uh, on one occasion, they were like marching in the streets, shouting death to Arabs in Hebrew, which is like so out of line with the Jewish values that I hold dear. Um, you know, and then being witness to the truth being shared with us in that car by this young Palestinian man felt very, very much more in line with those Jewish values, even as it, it was a challenge for me. So yeah, it was a mixed bag, but um, I'm grateful. Now you, you mentioned, you know, your, your congregation that you're a member of, and I assume there's like in most Jewish communities is very mixed feelings about um, both the support of the Israel and the need to defend itself. What, what are some of those discussions been like? Oh boy. So Mark, you, you are correct about the mixed feelings in the congregation uh, and the support for Israel and its right to defend itself. Um, there really hasn't been, I would say, a communal conversation about this per se. I can tell you that our rabbi is wonderful and he is doing his best to acknowledge and support the struggles his um, congregants, you know, who cover a wide variety along the political spectrum, you know, are managing, right? There are prayers during our Shabbat services in the morning. There's prayers for the hostages, there's prayers for the IDF, and there are prayers for the innocence of Gaza. Um, I'm very honored to be a lay leader at the synagogue and I hold a small chant and meditation group learning about and embodying the lessons of the Song of Songs on Shabbat, on Shabbat mornings before services. So two weeks ago, there were seven of us there, you know, in that, um, that morning. And during the silence after the chant, I became aware that of those seven people, at least three of them were in the shul that day because they, fe they felt safe showing up in that space, knowing, knowing me, knowing my heart sickness over the bombing of Gaza. Um, and you know, there's three, there's probably more. <laughs> I'm hoping our congregation can explicitly welcome folks who aren't necessarily comfortable with the blanket, you know, we stand with Israel statement that begins every email communication. Um, while I, I do feel horror, ongoing horror about the October 7th attack, and I'm very worried and distressed about the continued imprisonment of the hostages taken that day, um, I don't stand with the actions of the Israeli government. And I very much don't stand with the ongoing brutality in Gaza, the West Bank and East Jerusalem. I, I know that there are some OHAV members who are outraged by my continued presence there as a teacher. And I have seen some social media posts from others calling anyone with my views a traitor to the Jewish people and a supporter of Hamas. So, you know, it's difficult, right? It's difficult. And I value the community. We show up for each other in times of illness and celebration and death. We're, we're there for each other and we pray and we learn together. Um, the congregation has supported my spiritual growth and my leadership. So to me, it's worth showing up and staying engaged, hopefully with an open heart and from a place of love. Now the conflict uh, between the state of Israel and, and the Palestinians, of course, I'm going on, you know, since probably even before, of course, the founding of Israel, but that's been over 75 years ago. That, you know, there's, you know, every decade or two, some effort about trying to come to some, you know, resolution, some permanent peace. 
Um, do you have hope that a true and just peace can be found at this point that actually values, you know, everybody, Palestinians and Israelis? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, there's no there's no way to get to a true and just peace other than through justice and self-determination for all the people living in that land. Um, and I'm very encouraged by the work being done by Arab and Jewish Israelis working together for a shared society. There are lots of organizations, like just a short list would be organizations like Givat Chaviva, Standing Together, uh, the Hand in Hand Schools, um, and the program my daughter participated in, Achvat Amim, which means Solidarity of Nations. Uh, that's where I put my hope. You know, it's in these people working together for a shared society. And um, that's where I put my hope. How, how how does a ceasefire come about at this point? Or if you were talking to either, you know, President or Congressman, you know, Tonko, what would you say to them about, you know, why we need a ceasefire right now? You know, I actually did have an audience with uh, with Congressman Tonko with a couple of my sisterhood um, uh, friends. Uh, and listen, I'm not a politician. I'm not a scholar. I'm not somebody who who gets to say what does and doesn't happen there. But I can tell you that the lie being sold to the to the people is that that this bombardment of Gaza is going to lead to peace, that it's going to lead to safety. And I think it's very clear to anybody really looking that that the opposite is true. That if we want safety and peace, um, there has to be a ceasefire. Uh, there, there, we can't. You know, forgive forgive this old slogan, but we can't bomb our way to peace. Well, thank you very much. Uh, we've been talking with uh, Leonard uh, Schaefer, and this has been Mark Dunley for the Hudson Mohawk Magazine.